All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of whatever this podcast is going to be called. Great, great name. I love that. I'm here with Pastor Steve, Dr. Steve Thomas. We're talking through really this idea of designed for dominion. And, um, you know, this past week we were talking about uh, obviously creation, but we got into Genesis chapter 3, the fall of man and the story of, you know, really the serpent with Adam and Eve. Um, you know, obviously, we see Satan um, fall from heaven. He uh, takes a third of the angels with him. And then really his attack or his plan is to take dominion away from Adam and Eve that God gave them dominion over the earth. And so he comes to steal, kill, and destroy, as Jesus says. And so mm-hmm. we're facing a real enemy. He manifests himself through the serpent. And we find this conversation happen in Genesis 3, Pastor Steve, where Crazy. he's really trying to manipulate, pervert, and distort what God had said um, so that you know Eve begins to question God. And so I think there's a lot here to unpack. But you know, my question is to you, what is some of the maybe the main thing that you take away from this conversation in the garden between uh, the serpent and, and Eve? Yeah, it's crazy to think, first of all, she would have a conversation with the enemy. Um, and I think it's important for us all to understand he is there. He's real. Um, it's not some kind of a Halloween costume. Uh, it's a real created being um, who is a fallen angel, as you said. is a, a demon, um, and he is present. And I think some people act like, you know, Satan's not a big deal. He's kind of funny. Um, I got the devil on one shoulder, an angel on the other shoulder, but the enemy's real. He's active. He's out there for a purpose. And basically, he wants humans to experience the same fall that he experienced, essentially. And um, when you think about what his goal is and what his approach is, it's very slick. It's very smooth. Um, (laughs) It's very slippery. (laughs) Very slippery. Yeah. I mean, he, 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 he sneaks up on you. And when he does that to Eve, he has one primary thing he's trying to deliver. And I think it's such a weakness for us as humans. And it's this, you could be like God. Wow. And, or you could be God. And that is so attractive. We, we would not, no one would ever admit that. No one, you come up to and go, hey, do you want to be God? Like, oh, no, no, I, I just want to be you know, the top guy in my class or the top athlete or the top seller in my office or whatever. You know, the reality is we don't like being subsistent to God. Mm. And we think that we could sometimes do a better job. And um, that's what the enemy's after. He wants you to think, why am I being obedient to God? Why am I doing this? I know best, and that is the great struggle for humanity. Yeah, you also brought up a point that, you know, don't talk to the animals. Don't talk. Why is she even having this conversation? She's giving herself over to the cunning and the craftiness of it. What did you mean by don't talk to the enemy? Yeah, don't talk to the enemy or don't talk to animals. And what I meant was don't get your direction in life from those who are lower than humans or lower than God. And I think sometimes we do that. You know, where did you get that idea? I got it from a song. Well, a song, a song on the radio, a song on on, yeah. on on your on iTunes or Spotify, or whatever. Or 
what do you mean where am I getting my direction from pay attention be intentional about that and she got her see, it's supposed to be God humans animals and now it's in the garden it looks like it's well it's it's animals telling humans what to do rather than God it's totally flipped on its head and when we start thinking about who my influences are what's driving me it can easily become you know Oh, I, I just found something that somebody to tell me something I liked. Yeah. Not something that really makes sense or not something that really comes from God. And why do you think, you know, the Satan chose the snake and why do you think he chose Eve? Yeah. Um the snake I'm grateful that he chose the snake, honestly, because it, it reminds me of his tactics. So I think I think it really suited what he wanted to do and be. He wanted to sneak up. He didn't want to charge us like a bull or a bear or a lion would, that it would be something we would automatically fight. He wanted to slither up to us so that we would not have our defenses up. Mm. So I think that's why he chose to, to inhabit the serpent. And I think it's really effective for him, but I think it's also effective for us was when we see that kind of approach that's kind of slithery and smooth, it should remind us of Satan. Mm. So I'm grateful that he did that, but um, it it can't bite you if you're not watching. Yeah, you mentioned that Adam had named all the animals, and so he kind of approached Eve in the sense that she maybe didn't, you know, she I think was that's, Yeah, I think, that that's an, well. I think that's an important point, you know. she It might have been her first day, her second day. Right. We don't know. But she didn't, she was made after Adam had already studied and taken dominion over the animals. So he had all this knowledge and all this background of all these animals. He knew what to expect. He knew the enemy was, that the the serpent was cunning. Eve didn't have that experience. And so I think he went after her for that reason. He's like, well, Adam already knows how the serpent functions. And I want to function as the serpent functions. So I need to go after Eve, and she's not going to be as on guard, and she's going to be much easier to deceive, and through Eve I can get to Adam. Yeah, and you mentioned, it brings us kind of to our next point, that you said something that I think was super profound on Sunday. Um, if you haven't listened to the message, obviously check it out, but really it was a, a point there where you said sin happens, either we are tricked into it, there's temptation, we fall, or sometimes we just run to you know we run into sin and we want to sin and we make the choice and decision to sin even though we know it's wrong adam you know uh wasn't deceived into saying he just he ate the fruit because he wanted to because he wanted to you know and i've talked to people before who are in sin and they're like you know i want to leave my wife for this woman and i i've talked to people i go do you understand how wrong that is that's sin i understand exactly how sinful it is but i want to do it anyway and we do that every time we sin. A lot, of, most of the time we sin, we know that it's wrong, and so it's important. People go, well, if I just knew more about all the triggers in my life, I think that's helpful. But I also, we also need to understand we are depraved in our heart and mind. Mm. We reject the one we love, and we reject Jesus, and we sin willingly so many times. And I think that should kind of stick a needle in our balloon of our puffed up state to say, you know, I'm a good person. Yeah. No, you sin willingly. Hmm. Sometimes you're deceived. Sometimes you fall into it, didn't mean to, but we also just sin because we want to, yeah. choose to. And then you said, you know, we see ourselves kind of 
forming just like Adam and Eve did coverings for ourselves. Yeah. What are some coverings you feel like people are doing for themselves in today's age? You know, like yeah, I think we we cover ourselves when we. Um, we talk a lot about brokenness as the state of human nature once we fell out of creation, out of the perfection of the garden, God's design, and we moved into the state of brokenness. And so in brokenness and in our sin, we cover up with all kinds of self-medication, for example, whether that's alcohol, drugs, um, gambling, sex, all those kinds of things we do as self-medication. But we also walk around like we've never sinned. And sometimes we tell stories like we've never sinned. And we build lives as though we're perfect and perfectly righteous. And um, we, you know, so while I have some little sins, like maybe I, you know, ate too much or, or maybe I, you know, told a little tiny lie, but we minimize our sin and that's how we cover as opposed to, you know, we, and, we, and those, those stories, those coverings never last. You have to keep making them up. You have to keep inventing reasons why you do what you do to cover yourself and to hide from God. And that's what's so sad about covering is that we can't, I can't make a covering that's sufficient. Mm. When I try to cover myself, I'm going to get further from God. But he has a perfect covering. And that's what we really want to focus on is when you think about your own sin, it should remind you that Jesus provided the perfect covering through his blood. He paid for my sin and my sin falls under the covering when I repent. And that sin washes that, I mean that blood washes that sin out of my life. It's the perfect covering. And I don't have to spend my life pretending like I'm better than I am. Mm. And most people, that's our normal way to live is, I'm good. When I follow Jesus, I'm not good. He's good for me and he's covered my sin. I love that. Um, what would be your encouragement to people that you would say today are like, you know, maybe finding themselves in a place where they are struggling with sin and they say, man, I just can't seem to shake yeah. this. Or, you know, I have same-sex attractions, you know, or I yeah. have an addiction or I've made too many mistakes. I've made sin. Con there's consequences now to my sin. I've done so many things. And I, I don't know if I could go back or make a change. What yeah. would you say to those people today that are in those places today? First of all, I'd, I'd really want them to know that we as followers of Jesus love them. And we as a church love them. And we, can under, we want them to feel like um, we're all, want to understand that we're all sinners. And there is a covering for you. And I think that's hard for people to believe sometimes. But Jesus died for the worst of us. And in some ways, if, if you can recognize your sin, you're better off than those who think they don't sin. Jesus said, I came for the sick, not the well, not those who are not sick. And so I want them to know there is a covering for you. And there also, you don't have to live this way forever because Jesus promised not only to forgive us, but to cleanse us. Mm. And 1 John 1, 9. And so there is forgiveness in Christ there is a cleansing, and people always say, well, I don't know if I could repent because I don't know if I can stop. Mm. Yeah. And they don't even know if they want to stop. My encouragement is always, you come to Jesus. Jesus said, I'm, I, Jesus died for us while we were still sinners, not after we got cleaned up. So I want to bring my sin to him. I want to come to him dirty, and I want to leave clean.
And that's the message of Christ. It's not you got to get cleaned up and then come to me. It's that come to me, I'll clean you up, and then we'll walk forward. Well, what if I sin again tomorrow? We'll deal with that tomorrow. I don't want. I. I it's so sad when people think I can't repent because they feel like they can never change. That's not the issue. Change will happen as you follow Jesus, but you don't come thinking you're strong enough to change. Because if you're strong enough to change, you didn't need Jesus. Mm. He covers all of us. And I so want people to know that He's there to cover you, and He wants to give you an innocent life, and He wants to give you eternal life, and He wants to give you a community to walk with you. Yeah. I love that. I also think, you know, growing up, for me, we always heard about you know, sin preached at least in a, you know, a, a, a tough way. You know, it was yeah, always yeah. Um, almost like be careful not to sin. And, and we were very much, and I was, you know, grew up in a holiness background. So, you know, what would you say to people that today feel shame? And they, because I feel like, you know, Adam and Eve, they obviously recognized they were naked mm-hmm. and they began to cover themselves because they were ashamed. Bible says and so like what about the people that are literally living in shame today how do you get rid of shame from mm-hmm. past mistakes and sin mm. yeah I think the enemy who is the great accuser always wants to bring that up and go how can you go to church with what you've done right and how can you be around all these righteous people with I know what kind of thoughts you have and I know all those kinds of things I think it's so important that we bathe ourselves in Scripture and in the love of Jesus Christ um, and understand that He's the one who removes my shame. He, he took on shame for us on the cross. Can you imagine? Jesus was probably actually naked on the cross. Mm. And to be, to be killed and to bear the sin of everyone for someone who's perfect is unimaginable shame. So I think shame is a difficult issue in our, in our culture today because people like to deal with it and like to put it on other people. But I, I think we have to continually go back to Jesus saying, I came to die for you. I didn't come because you're good. I came because you needed me to die for you. Um, I do think it's a bit of a journey because shame is a pattern. And it's something that I think we tend to constantly go to. And the enemy wants to constantly accuse us of. I think it's important to remember that is the enemy. That's not Jesus. Jesus died for me, and he wants to bring me before his father and say, look, I saved this guy. I saved this girl. I saved them out of the worst. And because of me, they shouldn't feel shame. They should feel a sense of purpose and a sense of value because Jesus died for them. And I do think it's important, again, for a community to come around you to love you. Mm-hmm and uh, to walk with you even no matter what your past is and no matter what your struggle is. And I think it's important to realize everyone has some struggle. And church life is all about knowing people well enough to know what's wrong with them and loving them anyway. And I think that's such an important part of the community of the church. I love that. I think also, too, as we kind of wrap this thought up, you know, again, talking about God's original design um, is something that I think is so important mm-hmm. to have the answers for any like issue that we face today. It's like, what was the original design and intent? And when you think about Adam and Eve, like, was God's original design and intent for them to mm-hmm. live in that garden forever, or was His intent for them to be set up? I mean, you think about free will and predestination. What's kind of your 
thought as you kind of move forward to this next, you know, next chapter, these next verses through Genesis, where do you feel like God's design, was it, was it thwarted? Was God's design, you know, uh, taken away? Because the Bible says that the Lamb of God was slain from the foundation of the world. Like, what yeah. is your thoughts on how this was designed and what God's real intent yeah. was with this? Great question. And I, I think a lot of people think of, of Jesus as God's plan B. Plan A was we're going to be in paradise. This is going to be great. We're going to walk with God all every day. We're going to have lots of kids. We're going to expand Eden throughout the whole globe. And that was plan A. And plan B was if that doesn't work out, Jesus is going to have to go die. And that's not how God functions. God is not surprised by sin. He was not surprised by what happened in the garden. So the reality is Jesus died for us and knew he was going to have to die for us. He knew, God knew that humans had this weakness. Uh, he knew that Satan would exploit this weakness. He knew that humans would all fall. He knew that from the beginning. Wow. So he's not surprised by that. Um, God's plan was, you know, God's plan is ultimately to restore paradise. And that's what new heaven and new earth really is a picture of. So it's, it's God knew this was going to happen. We did exactly what God knew we would do in order that he would then send his son Jesus to demonstrate his incredible love for us that could only be demonstrated against the backdrop of human deprivation. And that's what I think we have to, it's hard to get our heads around that. How could you love someone so much that you would let them fall into sin just so you could rescue them? Hmm. But that's the love of God that he wants to display to us. And some of these things we're not going to know completely until we're able to meet him face to face. But I think that's important for us to realize. That's how much he loves us. He loves you that much. He wants you to see that and experience that. And the only way for us to know that is to have had a choice, made a bad choice, and then see how much he loves us in the midst of that. So good. Really great stuff, man. Um, if you haven't listened to the message from this past week, Design for Dominion, the covering, uh, it's up on the podcast. It's also on YouTube. You can watch it. And uh, we're going to be, again, testing some of these episodes out before we officially launch. Stay tuned. Dr. Steve Thomas, thanks for being with Brother us today. Brother Phil Bixby. <laughs> and our producer, Marissa Fitzpatrick. We'll see you next time, guys. Thanks.